Attention culture consumers, join me, the queen of queries, Sarah O'Connor, and my band of nerdy knights, Colleen McMillan, Flo Siegel, and Anders Drew, on Bohemian Geek Studies, where we take extremely dorky dives into our favorite fandoms, especially that Star Wars galaxy far, far away. Listen each week as we examine the stories that mean so much to us. Bohemian Geek Studies is available wherever you get your podcasts and is proudly part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello there, I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. And I'm Daniel. We're three nerds that met through our love of science fiction and fantasy storytelling. Of course, one of our favorites is George Lucas's signature achievement, Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet definitely doesn't have enough of, it's nerds talking about Star Wars. So here we are with yet another Star Wars podcast, where each week we discuss one of the films in the current Star Wars canon. From the sands of Tatooine to the levels of Coruscant, we cover it all. Yet another Star Wars podcast is available wherever you get your podcast and is part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hello, and welcome to Cracking One Open with Mike. And Elise. I'm Mike. And I'm Elise. What? I thought we were going to switch roles this then. I mean, we could. We don't, you want to restart? No, I'm all right. Okay. We already started. We're already too far. <laughs> we're a whole 15 seconds in. Oof, that's Back. tough. That's yeah. rough. Baby, what are we drinking today? Well, this week we are cracking open Laser cat. <laughs> <And Ew. laughs> I gotta find some sound effect for that. Okay. Uh, it is an Imperial IPA from Medusa Brewing Company, which is located in Hudson, Massachusetts. So Medusa opened in 2015, and since then, Head brewer Keith Antle has been hard at work handcrafting ales and lagers that reflect the global landscape of beer. From beautifully constructed American-style ales to traditional European-inspired recipes, Medusa Brewing Company strives to provide for the ultimate variety in our draft selection. That being said, Medusa is currently taking on a new project to open up a full restaurant about two minutes down the road from the brewery itself which will feature gourmet pastries and coffee, a lunch and dinner menu heavily influenced by European cuisine and wood-influenced beers. Wait, and wood-influenced beers? Mm -hmm. Interesting. So co-owner Keith Sullivan says, quote, it's a little more sophisticated for us. It's a part of us that we've always had inside of us, but we haven't been able to explore it. End quote. So Wild Hair will be the name. And it will have its own brewery license, but the wort will still be produced at Medusa and then trucked over to Wild Hair for the fermentation and other elements of the brewing process. Mm. The beers at Wild Hair will be much different than Medusa's. All of them will have wood involved in the brewing process, either in former liquor or wine barrels or in their newly made fooders. Fancy. And Sullivan is especially excited about rolling out a dinner menu where they can showcase specific food pairings with some of the more delicate beers that they will be offering. 
And the article where I got this announcement and information from was actually just published a few weeks ago. So like in December, and they noted that wild hair will be open in phases. So starting in January, like now ish, (laughs) um, they'll be opening the bakery and coffee services. And then eventually they'll expand into the dinner and lunch services as well. Wild hair, huh? Mm -hmm. I'm already looking it up. I'm seeing how far (laughs) away it is. Hudson, I don't know where Hudson is. The good two hours away. No. That can't be right. Boston's not a full two hours, and it's just slightly north of Boston, but technically before it. You also made record time the last time you went to Boston. I got there in like 40 minutes. It was awesome. But I've made I've made pretty good time going to Boston almost every time though. Mm. I mean, right now I'm looking. It is six o'clock right now, and I'm looking though. That's also okay. So that I'd have to check. Maybe I'll have to check later. Yeah. When there's less uh, traffic going on. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it seems like it should be. I mean, you are going northern. Yeah, screw it. Yeah, it should be closer. <laughs> Might be worth a trip, though. It seems interesting. It does seem interesting. Let's see how, how we like laser cut. <laughs> <laughs> so unfortunately, there's not a lot of information about the brewery itself. So on to the beer. <laughs> Lasercat Imperial IPA clocks in at 8% ABV, and they say, quote, big, balanced, and loaded with citrus-forward hops, Lasercat is Medusa's definition of Imperial IPA, combining both new and traditional methods in our approach to making this beer. Also from their website, quote, Built on a base of beautiful German wheat and quality American two-row malts, Lasercat is as big as its name might suggest. Lasercat is a shining example of marrying bitterness and sweetness to achieve the perfect balance of flavor, creating an incredibly clean drinking experience. An onslaught of citra and nugget hops assault the hop-loving senses with a payload of citrus and earthy character. So first up, we've got Citra Hops, aka 114. They were first bred back in 1990. And Citra's lineage includes U.S. Tetnanger, Haller Tower Mittelfrock, ah. Brewer's Gold, East Kent Golding, and an unknown variety of American wild hop. As we know, Citra hops are citrusy. They have an ideal mix of high alpha acids and low cohumulone, which makes it good for bittering, but it's excellent as an aroma or flavor addition at any stage from pre to post boil. And this is in large part due to their high myrcene content, which is one of the major hop oils, and it's heavily associated with citrus. But it can also be found in mango, lemongrass, verbena, and grapefruit. Citra can also lend delicate and desired aromatics, including gooseberry, lychee, mango, melon, grapefruit, orange rind, and passion fruit. Although I think we still have yet to find one with a damn lychee. And gooseberry, uh, just because I don't know what gooseberry tastes like. I've, have we gotten lychee? I really don't think we have. I like we look like for it every time. I feel like there was beer where I kind of got it lychee once, mm. and it was kind of a surprise. But I, I feel like there was one, at least one other time, and I can't remember the beer where there was kind of a lychee berry kind of note to it. Okay. Well, then we've got nugget hops, and nugget hops are the daughter of Brewer's Gold and the mother of Millennium hops. It was released in 1983, and by 1987, it was producing 14% of the North Pacific Northwest's hops. 
Its popularity dropped a bit over time due to the influx of new hop varieties, but it is still an important hop in the beer industry. They have super alpha acid content. Um, They're actually one of the earliest super alpha hop varieties with low beta and low cohumulone levels, which give it an excellent bittering kick that's popular for use in IPAs and Imperials like this one, as well as other hoppy brews. Nugget hops are known to have mild but noticeable herbal qualities of woodiness along with a subtle spicy ginger note, but minimal as far as citrusy notes go, and low fruity characteristics of peach, pineapple, and lychee. More lychee. More lychee. And that's what I got for the beer. That and it's a beer made of cats with freaking lasers. Freaking lasers. I also have a story, if we have time, at the end of the segment that has nothing to do with Medusa, but it does have to do with beer. I was going to say, does it have to do with cats and lasers? No, unfortunately. (laughs) Okay. Are you ready to crack this baby open? Been ready all day. Let's do it. All right. Laser cat. Laser crack it. Ooh, that was a good crack. That was. That was a very satisfying crack. Ooh, smells like an IPA. Mm, I'm really excited for the nugget hops. You know, it's not necessarily going to taste like nugget nectar. No, I know, but... (laughs) Nugget, I, they're so like few and far between. I feel like that it might impart enough to satisfy my craving. The carbonation is carbonation wild. is ridiculous. It's just wild. So much it's bubbles on the glass. They're like it's sticking a, to the glass. They're going up. Yep. It looks like soda. Amount of bubbles. It does actually. Yeah, that's a good that's point. That's a lot of bubbles. But what I like it's about it, it's not very hazy. It's not hazy at all. It's nice. It's not as crystal clear as some some other IPAs that we've True. had. But it's a, also a very nice, like orangey, dark orangey amber color. Yeah. Uh, the last few IPAs we've had have been like hazy. Yeah. So it's nice to have one that's kind of clear again. Ooh, it smells very earthy. Earthy, kind of piney. I get. Some of those sweeter citrusy notes. Mm-hmm. Nothing that like pops off the nose or I'm like, it's this flavor. <laughs> oh, let's let's hope for some lychee. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Those are terrible clinking glasses. It, yeah. <laughs> it's because like they're plastic, so full. They're two glasses. Wow. That's a lot sweeter than I would have expected from the smell. Yeah. It's not really... It's but definitely then the bitter, happiness kind of comes in afterwards. Yeah. That is really well balanced. It's really citrusy forward. I, I'm almost thinking I can get the lychee. I mean, I know now that's in my brain, but yep. I think more I than anything it. else, that kind of like, not sour, but that sweet, odd it is a very odd flavor. Like, lychee yeah. is such a weird flavor. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's very uncommon, at least around our apartment. And I think most apartments in America. Yeah. Although I did see, I did find um, canned lychee at the Asian market that just opened 
Oh, in, I figured they'd Milford. have it. Yeah. yeah. But isn't all lychee pretty much canned or jarred? I think so. Because you have to open up the fruit to get to the actual yeah, thing. Yeah, it's like a bulb almost. Yeah. yeah. The actual lychee you can't eat unless you get inside of it. Mm-hmm. It is good. It's well balanced. It's a little bit more. It reminds me of a lot of like a, a pint of bitters, like like a British pint of bitters. Really? I feel like it's more bitter than but that, it is actually. Fu- yeah, exactly. But it's pushed past that limit. Until yeah. like, but that's what I'm getting, this kind of sweet, malty bitter punch mm-hmm. but it's just like turned to 11 and then you get a little bit of that fruit as well yeah it's like they added something like that's the base and they added to it and pushed it past that see i <laughs> i had to get it because it's laser cat oh no you had no choice that's obviously <laughs> but at the same time being an imperial ipa i was like a little hesitant oh no i got i'm pretty sure i mentioned that i was nervous when yeah, i saw imperial yeah, i was like yeah, oh yeah. you're not gonna like this <laughs> this is this is a lot better than I ha- had hoped for. I don't understand what Imperial means then. I thought I knew, but now I don't know if I know. Yeah. We're bad beer podcasters <laughs> for not looking that up beforehand. Well, no, because remember a, a while back, I it, Imperial is essentially just like a punched up version. Yeah, a stronger like, version. A, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, an 8% IPA. It's not a double IPA. It's not pretending to be a double IPA. Right. It doesn't have that like artificial sweetness that we always complain about. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I think Imperial IPA is a an accurate name for it. Okay. Or categorization. Yeah, because you're right. Because if it was anything higher than this, it would be a double IPA. It wouldn't be Imperial anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But then mm-hmm. again, we've had double IPAs that are, have we, have we had double IPAs that are less than 8%? Mm, yes. Like 7.5? 7 something, yeah. I don't think we've ever had anything less than seven point something. Though. So that's where my question is, would be is what's the difference between a double IPA and an Imperial IPA? Whatever the hell you want, probably. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably up to is the brewers, like although there's probably some kind the, of the number understood of upon stand, like uh, hopping standard. process. Like, do you dry hop an, a double IPA twice? Like that kind of thing? No, because then that's called double dry hopped. And that's yeah, not a. Exactly. That's. <laughs> I inquiring think, minds need to know i think it's the alcohol content and there's probably some kind of understood limit hmm. but i'm sure you can have ipas up to eight percent the probably anything higher than that you probably have to go hey this is a double ipa and yeah. you can have double ipas as low as seven percent or probably right before i've never seen one at seven or under no I don't think. it would so have like to be probably over right seven, before seven yeah and that's a double yeah but like you said, double IPAs are also known for their, they taste more alcoholic mm-hmm. and they taste more artificially sweet to kind of hide that sometimes. Yeah. So it also could be something. Yeah, but when I think of like Imperial something. Stouts, those things are nuts. Oh yeah. Like the, <laughs> the box that I got you from 12% Brewing Project well, that's for got Christmas Imperial Stout has yep. Imperial Stouts that are up to what, like between 11 and 15%. Yep. Thimble Island had a, uh, didn't Thimble Island... Do the uh, Kraken? No, they did the Kraken's oh, just regular. They did the, the um, mass destruction, self uh, assured, self- mutual self assured destruction, or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those were those were really powerful mm-hmm. um, ones as well. So yeah, I don't know, but sure, this is Imperial. It is a punched up version. It doesn't taste like eight percent, really. No, it doesn't. But it it is very. That little bit of extra bitterness might be what punches it up to eight percent. Yeah. But I kind of like, uh, well, as everybody knows, I really like bitter things. So that's something I like about it a mm-hmm. lot. But I, I do like that it's 
you know, it does on the nose. It does kind of smell like a double IPA a little bit. Yeah. Just that it's a sweet IPA. It smells yeah. like it's going to be bitter and it smells like it's going to be sweet. And it is. Yeah. But it's not like cloyingly sweet and it's not like super double IPA sweet. Mm-hmm. It's just a sweeter beer, which kind of is a lot of things that have citrus in it seem to be a little sweet anyway. That's true. And nugget. The nugget nectar was also very sweet. Yeah. That might be part of um, the nugget hop then. Because mm-hmm. it is sweet, but it's not fake sweet and it's not. It's not fruity sweet or anything. It's definitely sweet from just the brewing process, it seems. Yeah. Maybe a little malty, too. But I think that's what gives it. I think that almost backup maltiness is what makes me think of it as like like a pint of bitters. Mm-hmm. Like bitter beer from England. Is that malty note? Because that has a lot of malt going forward. Those aren't necessarily hoppy um, IPA bitter beers. They're bitter, that. but they're kind of malty. And this has a bit of malt to it, I think. But if you really look for it, you can get that kind of. See, I, I have to almost search a little bit more for the malt in this, whereas the, the sweetness and the hoppiness really like punch you in the face. At first, the sweetness was the first thing I tasted. Whereas like that was the initial flavor was, oof, there's sweetness. There's that fruity, maybe lychee kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But the more I drink it, the more I'm getting more of a kind of malty bitterness with the with the sweetness but then the the actual flavored part of the sweetness the lychee or the berry or whatever seems to kind of blend into the background mm-hmm. also for as carbonated as it was in the beginning it's it not a super calm down. Yeah, calm down it's not a super carbonated beer it's not like drinking a soda yeah it does i was not like oh a- this is gonna be the bubbliest well, beer i've ever drank you have like remnants of the head left on your glass i think that's because of not. the shape of my glass oh uh, okay your glass is just kind of like a tall pint glass. Mine is a Pilsner. Pilsner glass. So a tall Pilsner. From Margaritaville. From Mohegan Sun's Margaritaville, which doesn't which exist doesn't anymore. Doesn't exist anymore. Collector's item? Probably not. <laughs> Any big time Jimmy Buffett yeah. fans want to offer me some money for this glass? I'm sure they would. <laughs> Does it increase the value if you know my lips have been on it? Many times. Many, many times. <laughs> I think this is, I'm almost done. <laughs> this is really good. This is a very pleasant surprise. I was afraid of this beer. <laughs> I mean, I thought I might like it, but I was pretty sure you weren't going to like it. So the can is awesome. Yes, it is. It's the reason we're doing this <laughs> this episode. So it's a full print, not a wraparound label. It's like, this This sucker is is like painted onto the can. It's kind of mm-hmm. interesting. It's space, obviously. You can't call it something laser cat and not have the background be space. So the can is also kind of not smooth, not matte, matte, not super matte, but a little matte, which is interesting to touch. So space is speckled with these silver dots. It's almost like there are little holes in the uh, the black that's surrounding the can to give it the space look. Mm -hmm. And then laser cat is just awesome. He looks like a Microsoft Paint meme of a cat. He does. (laughs) He's got purple eyes and he's blasting purple lasers out of his eyes toward the front of the can, creating this little like also Microsoft Paint blast of purple, silver and white coming at you in like clip art form. Yep. It's amazingly lame and awesome and just cheesy. I, I love it. 
the cat is an orange and, and yellow like tabby cat. Mm-hmm. And he's got the stupidest expression on his face, he which does. is what makes it even it's better. Amazing. I don't think any that's what really gets you. Like anybody can do. Oh, laser cat. OK, crazy eyes. It's that this cat's got the dumbest open mouth <laughs> tongue sticking out like what? <laughs> like, I can't even make the face. Mouth gaping, tongue out. That cat saying to himself, holy shit, I have laser eyes. The yep. cat doesn't even believe he's got laser eyes. <laughs> and the cat is in basically this little silver diamond logo thing. He's standing on a bed of hops. Uh, which is weird because hops are usually... An actual bed of hops, yeah. Uh, vines that go up. This vine's going sideways. Vines. And then there's a... Uh, Purple flame that goes across the logo says laser cat Imperial IPA. And it's all done in a very futuristic 1980s laser tag type. Yes. Font. Uh, futuristic, but futuristic in the 80s. Yes. Or early 90s. It's super awesome. Uh, Medusa Brewing uh, name is up top. And that's done almost like a 1960s kind of hippie font. Mm-hmm. Then on the bottom, there's some dude's face in a little circle. I assume that's one of the brewers or Medusa. Oh, that's Medusa. I, it's Medusa. <laughs> okay. Yep. Those are snakes. It's like a painting of Medusa all circled around 8% alcohol by volume. 16 fluid ounces, one pint, all in purple. The back of the can prepare yourself for a cosmic cosmic. Prepare yourself for a cosmic experience with one of the most preposterous IPAs the earth has to offer built from two row malt, German wheat and crystal malts. This concoction is dry hopped with absurd amounts of citrus and nugget and is loaded with plenty of dense citrus, tropical fruit, and herbal notes to assault your hop-loving senses. Enjoy responsibly, earthlings. <laughs> That's kind of fun. I yeah. like that. That's why I left it for you. So you got two, <laughs> two row malt, German wheat, and crystal malts. I love when you list the malts. So this thing has German wheat, but crystal malts, and two row malt. Which is why it's malty. And then on the bottom of the can, it says, don't be a stranger. Transport yourself to our tap room at 111 Main <laughs> Street in beautiful downtown Hudson, Massachusetts, which is pretty cool. And then you've got a uh, a big snifter glass. It says Medusa and her head is in the glass with snakes coming off of it. Same as the head in the little logo, but a little more clear. Mm-hmm. And then on the bottom of that glass, it says Brewing Company, as in Medusa Brewing Company. This is brewed and packaged by Medusa Brewing Company. 100 Clinton Street, Farmingham, Massachusetts. What? Oh. So this is not brewed or canned at their regular. Uh, Interesting. Their like I said, unfortunately, there was not a lot of information about the brewery itself mm-hmm. on the website. Maybe the tap room's kind of small. Maybe they brew it there and then bring it over to the tap yeah, room. Yeah, it could be. Or maybe this is kind of canned and distributed, kind of like 12% Beer Project mm-hmm. in Connecticut does a lot of the uh, distributing of cans like i need to make something but my place isn't big enough yeah but i got more states to deliver to Mm -hmm. Eh, some of our stuff yeah something like that the gypsy brewery kind of business model kind of i mean they clearly have a tap room and stuff but sometimes they need more space to get it out to the masses Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's fine when you're delivering to one state but then when you deliver to multiple states it's it's a whole nother ball game exactly I'd be very interested to try other beers from them aside from a, an Imperial IPA. 
I think I told you when I first saw that you brought it home that I'm pretty sure at least I have had other stuff from Medusa, if not both of us. Yeah, they've been around a while, so it's very possible. Yeah. All right. So, like I said, this news story has nothing to do with Medusa, but uh, it's a pretty awesome beer-related story I found on NPR. So, Commerce Street Brewery, which has a brew pub in Mineral Point, Wisconsin has a chalkboard that tracks beers that people can buy in advance for buddies who might pop in. The most popular name on that list was Betty White. In 2019, she had more than 40 beers waiting for her at Commerce Street Brewery, just in case she stopped by. And as crazy as it sounds, Betty had actually been to Mineral Point before. It's where Alan Ludden, her third husband, her third husband was originally from and where she attended his funeral in 1981 after he passed. So Commerce Street Brewery even made a beer in her honor called the Blonde Betty, which was an homage to Mineral Point's favorite golden girl and a celebration of her 97th birthday. Commerce Street is now reprising the brew after the news of her passing on December 31st. As for the beer count, that number has continued to rise to well over 110 beers for Betty. Commerce Street plans to donate all of that money to local animal shelters in her name. Nice. And on a semi-related note, there's also apparently a Betty White challenge happening where people are going to kind of band together and make donations to their local animal shelters, rescues, or charities on January 17th, which would have been her 100th birthday. That I had heard about, yep, yeah. which is also very nice. So I thought that was a very sweet story. Mm. Support your local laser cats. Meow. <laughs> 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 Meow. <laughs> <laughs> all i got okay well that's all i got all right well then thank you guys for tuning into this week's episode and if you enjoyed it please rate it review it share it with your friends and subscribe to catch our future episodes you can find us on crackandwhenopen.com or apple podcasts spotify stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts you can also follow us on facebook instagram and twitter at crack and when open or shoot us an email at crack and when open at gmail.com with any comments, questions, or suggestions, because we always want to hear from you. Yeah. Yeah. What she said. What else you got to plug? I got audiobooks. Please buy them. Please, 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 please. Uh, look for Michael Butler on Audible. Uh, Switch, Our Fucking Gangsters. Vacation Planet. Those are two books I do that aren't necessary horror. Murder of Kelly Christopher is a mystery book. And then I've got horror books. Coffee at Midnight. I've got Progressive Entrapment. I've got The Final Girl. I've got Sour. Check out all these books. I don't make money on them unless you buy them. So you better start buying them. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Some of you have bought them. Thank you. If you haven't bought them yet, hell's wrong with you. What are you waiting for? Let's go. I need money. I need to buy beer. Clearly. To drink it. <laughs> it's literally our job. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. What else you got? That's it. All right. That's not that's not my line. Oh wait.
And check out my other podcast, Forgotten Cinema, a podcast I do with my buddy Mike Field. We talk about films that seem to be forgotten by audiences, whether it be because a more popular movie was released at the same time, or the film simply didn't catch on with our audience in its initial run. We'll discuss what we love about it, maybe don't love about it, but we'll always recommend you revisit it. You never know, you might find your own forgotten gem. We're available wherever podcasts can be found and on ForgottenEntertainment.com. And while you're there, check out all the other awesome podcasts Forgotten Entertainment has to offer, because, you know, I'm one of the founding members of Forgotten Entertainment, so I... I'm pretty sure I'm contractually obligated to say that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that that is now everything I've got. Okay. Well, then, a special thanks for our theme, which was composed and performed by Joe Reichert. Until next time. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs>